it is early in the morning. It is 8.48, so it's really not that early. Not early. But it's fine. So, I'm drinking my Kirio coffee. Shout out to Kirio. Best coffee shop in, in the area I live. Um, and I have my water. Holly has her water with her penguin on it. And we're going to talk about sexual purity today. Yes, love that for Woo! us. Because... One, the Lord has been speaking to that a lot, or speaking into that a lot, in at least my life recently, um, which has been awesome, uh, which has been awesome. I feel like I've had like a lot of conversations recently, like with my boyfriend about it and with other people about it and been reading a lot about it. And so I felt like that this was a great podcast episode to record um, because it's very present in my life. And I want each podcast episode to reflect something the Lord is teaching me or what I feel like the Lord is putting on my heart to talk about. And I feel like this is a great topic to talk about because the church doesn't really talk about this a whole lot. Or if they do, they use very fluffy terminology because they want to make sure everyone feels comfortable. And so it's kind of like Christians like to say, just remain sexually pure. And then we're not going to get into that any further without even actually defining what sexual purity is really and talking about boundaries and things and so my plan with this podcast is to kind of to talk about from a female perspective what sexual purity should look like and maybe like males can relate to it as well and then I hope I still need to talk to them about this but Bradley if you're listening what's up um doing a part two of this with my boyfriend to talk about more on a relational standpoint what sexual purity looks like in the middle of a relationship and boundaries that um, should be put in place and just kind of getting a male perspective, um, which would be awesome. And it'll be our first male on the podcast, which is really exciting. So, yay, Bradley! You still need to make sure you're okay with this. That's fine. Um, He will be, I think. Um, So that's coming in the future. So stay tuned for a part two. But today, Holly and I are going to kind of do the basics um with our very last minute prep because i told holly this like late afternoon yesterday like hey we're gonna talk about this tomorrow morning and so holly's a rock star for getting stuff together and we're just praying the holy spirit speaks through us so (laughs) on our brains of what we know so sexual purity what does it mean i found a really great definition on the new life center it's like a website um and basically this is what it says and then we'll go into Kind of dissecting this definition. It says sexual purity includes abstaining from intercourse until marriage, but that is not all it means. Being sexually pure means not even dwelling on thoughts of sex with someone other than a, other than a spouse. Until you are married, sexual purity means saying no to sexual intercourse, oral sex, and even sexual touching. It means saying no to a physical relationship that causes you to be turned on sexually. It means not looking at pornography or pictures that feed sexual the sexual thoughts. And so that definition's a lot more broad than the definition I think that we give for ourselves or for others. And I feel like that a lot of us are just like, sexual purity means not having sex. The end. Yeah. I feel like in high school, when we would like have these discussions at church and whatever, it was always just talked about like, don't have sex. And that was the only thing that Mm -hmm. was like ever said. And so then other people, I remember I was in this conversation once with a group of girls and they were like oh well we just aren't allowed to have sex but we can do everything else and i'm like no like that is not what it means but the church doesn't ever talk about Mm-mm. it and so it's always just like don't have sex okay but what about all the billion other things yeah that can be going on because especially in our day and age with like the technology that we have and like the things that are coming out it's like there is a lot other things that make you sexually aroused without having actual sex and that is 
outside of marriage or even in your marriage that isn't good and it's still breaking sexual purity and so um it also it means not having sex that's that's there but it also means not masturbating not watching porn not um doing anything else physically with your significant other that or anyone (laughs) or anyone gross um that turns you on sexually and so it is a lot broader and there is a lot more things that go into it and i feel like a lot of us would fall into the trap of sexual immorality in some certain way and it also means sexual purity also means not having sex with somebody of the same gender that also goes in there that's also a whole other podcast episode we'll have to talk about but so sexual purity is a lot more broad and i feel like that when we look at it this way I feel like a lot of us would realize, oh, like I've crossed certain barriers, actually. And I have allowed sexual drives to drive me into not great directions. Holly and I have, in our own separate ways, have dealt with breaking sexual purity in some certain way. Not by having sex, by other things, which we'll get into later in this episode. So, where... Does it say in the Bible that we are called to remain pure before marriage? There's an entire little section on sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 6, but I just have verse 18 where it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And I think it's very interesting where it says immediately to flee. It, there's no, like, dwell on the sexual immorality, like, sit in it, think about it. No, it just literally says, get up and go. And I think it also says that something very similar to that in Galatians chapter 5, where it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And it kind of keeps going. Uh, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so it's like, don't dwell on this. Get out of there. Like, do not sit in your sin. Do not dwell in it. Do not wallow in it. it. It means like get up and go. Like there is no hesitation there. I think that's a really good point because um, if you think about it, for, like, the two of us who have, like, struggled with this area of sin is, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like with this one, like, it's super easy to, as soon as you, like, get a little taste of it, Mm -hmm. to just be sucked in, like, immediately. Yep. Yeah. Where I feel like in other, other sins, like, it's easier to think about it and then not do anything about it but i think this one especially it's very easy like as soon as you just get a little bit at least for me 100 like as soon as you just get a little taste in your brain or or like trigger trigger just a a little bit it's like immediately Mm -hmm. like entraps you and yeah i love that 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 uh paul says um, you have to like flee, flee because you literally do or else you're going to be immediately trapped in it. That ties into, so I read yesterday, I'm reading through my Christianity right now and T.S. Lewis does a whole chapter on sexual morality. Um, and so one of his like little quotes that many, many of which I will share during this podcast, it says, everyone knows that the sexual appetite, like our other appetites grows by indulgence, which ties in so well with that where it, where it does. And, um, you know, we a lot of times listen to, and C.S. Lewis talked about this, I really recommend going, reading this entire book, but especially the sexual morality chapter regarding this topic, is that our world kind of promotes it as, like, this is a natural desire for you, like, your bodies were made to have sex, like, 
like that is the way that the world presents it and we'll get a little bit more into this when we talk about why it's so hard to remain sexually pure but we are called to remain pure before marriage and so the lord makes it very clear i have multiple other scriptures you can literally just google what does the bible say about sexual morality and it will go into it pretty quickly paul writes a lot about it because the people in the bible were sex crazed (laughs) and the people in our generation in our century are sex crazed Mm -hmm. so it's it's been a problem for since the beginning of time and it will continue to be a problem until you get to heaven um so very clearly it is stated in the bible that we are to remain sexually pure and that also includes not lusting after other people in your marriage that also is discussed. Sexual purity also goes for your marriage and, you know, lusting after another female or another male while you are married is also violating that sexual purity and that covenant that you made to your spouse. So it doesn't just stop. It's not just, okay, sexual purity means not having sex and doing all these things before marriage. Great. Now I'm in marriage. That also means you need to stop looking at porn when you're married or you need to stop, you know, lusting after celebrities or whatever it is for you when you're married. Like, you are now covenantly bounded to your spouse. And so, you you guys have sex together and your desires are fulfilled by each other in that. There is no other. And so, that also goes for that. And you know, Matthew 5, 28 talks about like anyone, any man who looks at a woman like lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. That goes for women too. And that goes for when you're married. And so it doesn't end. It doesn't end like after you're married, like it keeps like forever, like sexually pure forever. And it just might look different after you're married. Um, So why does the Lord call us to remain sexually pure? Why? It's like that one vine where the guy goes, why, 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 why? You don't know it because you haven't seen it. But if you know it. Just let me know if you know it, and you can I'm be like, sorry. yes, Emma, that was good. I'm too old. Um, but, <laughs> so I feel like, as well in the church, that churches hash this whole idea of remain sexually pure, but they don't actually tell us why. They're just like, do it because the Bible says so. And that's a bullcrap answer. I'm sorry. Like, you got to give me more than because the Bible says so. It's like, you know, the Bible says a lot of crazy things, and I'm not going to like. Like dashing babies' heads on the rocks. Yes. So, like... David says that in Psalms. You should look it up. It's really The Bible says a lot of things. And so, I think that we need to understand a little bit more behind. And I want to go more into um, this topic when I do the part two. Because, you know, this is just very much an overview. But the Lord designed sex. Okay? I don't want the message that Holly and I give you to say that sex is bad. It is not bad. It is designed by God. It is a beautiful thing in marriage. When it is when it is done, like, in the will of God, yes. Good, beautiful, an act of symbolism between a man and a woman. It is, it is awesome. And God has designed it, and I bet it's going to be great. So it's not bad, okay? Telling you this now. Disclaimer, Holly, anything you'd like to add on that? Okay. So it's not bad. The Lord designed it. The Lord designed this to be done in a specific way. Now, Satan came in, entered the picture, and has kind of misconstructed it to looking more seductive, looking more, I guess, dirty, like done outside of marriage and like pushing for that idea and lust and all these things. 
And so the Lord knew what he was talking about when he designed the human body, designed the anatomy of the human body, designed sex because he created it. Um, and he knew what he was talking about when he said it should be saved for for marriage and for marriage only. A few weeks ago on my Instagram, I asked a lot of you guys um, if you believed in the idea of being sexually pure until you're married. And a majority of y'all said yes, and you guys sent me really, really great responses. And I'm planning on also writing a blog post about this topic in the future after I do more research. Uh, But somebody said, and I think this is a great way to put it, is that sex is the marriage. So it's like, blah, 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 like a husband and wife, like, make their, make their vows in front of everybody, and then they go, and they have sex, and, like, the sex is actually the thing that binds them together. It is not just, like, the piece of paper, it's not just the rings, it is, it is the actual process of having sex that binds them together in a spiritual, in a physical way, and when you have that connection with somebody outside of your spouse, that is very dangerous because of what happens to your body after you have sex with somebody so when you have sex with somebody i want to get more do more research on the science behind it um because i don't know the specific names of the hormones and things like that but when you have sex with somebody it one creates a soul tie um which is very dangerous and takes a lot of work to break it is a spiritual tie between you and another person and actually what happens to your brain is that a, a chemical is released when you have sex with somebody and that binds you to them And so it is very hard for that to break. Um, And so the Lord knew that if he allowed everyone to have sex whenever they wanted, with whomever they wanted, it would be a lot of emotional turmoil and emotional stress to break all those soul ties and those emotional binding things. Um, And so the reason why he puts this this rule or this this idea in place is because he knows best for us and he doesn't want us to be people walking around with all this emotional turmoil because we're going around sleeping with whoever and sex is a very sacred thing it is beautiful and so it's like being able to save that for your spouse and who you want to marry and saving that moment that like first time or like whatever for that person is a special and beautiful thing that is god designed you know i like you know, a lot when I was a lot younger, like when I was watching like YouTube videos and things like that, I followed a lot of like Christian YouTube couples and you know, like being able to like hear like like not like the details, but like the moments of like intimacy that they were able to have and it they being their very first time like having sex together is is just beautiful. As well as throwing in like the like the pornography and the masturbation and, and, and the physicalities that are not sex but are sexual and saving all of that for your spouse and all that sexual drive that's in us being able to save that for your spouse is just a beautiful thing um and so that's a little bit of why the lord commands us because he knows best for us and he's kind of like the big dad in the sky that's like hey i don't want you to hurt yourselves kind of like when your parents won't let you touch the stove when it's hot they know the consequences and they know what will happen after. The Lord does the same exact thing with us. <clears throat> he knows that if we have sex all the time before we are married, it's going to do a lot of damage to our souls and a, and a lot of damage to our hearts and minds. It does do a lot of damage. I mean, I can't speak of it from like a... I haven't, I haven't had sex, so I can't speak of it in that sense. But mm-hmm. um, in like the whole porn thing... Mm-hmm. Um, like, it really has damaged me in ways that I never even thought that it would. 
And so it makes sense that, like, the Lord is, like, trying to set boundaries for us and, and make it so that we um, should remain pure because it messes mm-hmm. you up in yep. many aspects of your life that yep. you don't realize until later. And, um, yeah, that's really the only thing, which yeah. I guess we can talk about later, but um, it, it does. It messes you up. Speaking yeah. from experience, yeah, from it messes ex- you up. Yeah. For me, for my experience, looked a little different. So I also have not had sex. Um, but in high school, I went pretty far with a guy um, that I was talking to and, you know, like did a lot of like physical things that were very sexual. Um, and it took me so long to like move on from that. And, you know, like even though like we like actually did not have sex, like soul tie was still created there. Um, just from a relational standpoint. Um, and it took a very long time to forgive myself, to move forward from that, to move on from the feelings I had for him because of a lot of stuff we did. And, you know, like full of regret like with that, but also like very thankful that I was able to have that experience because like me being in, in a relationship now, it's like I know specifically like what boundaries I cannot cross. And that is very good to, for me. And so Bradley and I can get into that when we record the second part of this podcast. But it does mess you up. And it's really hard. And, you know, I fell into a lot of depressions after that. And um, just really struggled, um, even, like, security-wise, like, with, with my body and, and who I was. And um, just felt very guilty and very shameful. Um, and, you know, now it's... Like, it's a lot harder to, like, fight those, like, sexual temptations because it's like, oh, I know what this certain thing feels like. And you have to work very hard to build yourself back up after. Like, kind of like what Holly said. It's like, once you let it in, like, it's really hard to let go of. And, like, what C.S. Lewis said, it's like, it, it grows by indulgence. And so, I guess this is your warning from Holly and I. If you have not, like, done anything, which is great, like, go you seriously this is just us speaking of experience like do not like whether or not like whether in your relationship now or like you're going to be getting into a relationship like set those boundaries up or if you have been thinking about doing porn or like whatever like set those boundaries up and do not let it in because once it's in it's hard to let go and forget um and so even though neither of us have sex like we have tainted a little bit of sexual purity and the lord is is so graceful and so if you have like had sex or you have done porn or um, whatever it is that may look like, the Lord is graceful and can forgive and can restore that sexual purity in you, which is beautiful because His grace is sufficient and grace covers everything, even this stuff. Um, know that like He is He's quick to forgive, um, but it's a hard battle. Even after He forgives you and after you feel His grace, it's still a hard battle to. To face um especially like when you are in a relationship you have to like over communicate and so um it's just speaking from our experiences it is it's really hard once you get in to get out of it it's possible but it's not easy i just think it's also one of those things that you have to be like willing to let go of mm. and yeah. you have to like you have to let the lord do the work in you because you can't do it yourself and if you try to convince if you're trying to convince yourself that you can do it on your own you're lying to yourself mm-hmm. and i'm telling you out of love don't do that like don't, yeah you are lying to yourself if you think you can yeah. do it on your own because you can't yeah um 
So you need to be very open with the Lord and be like, this is what I'm struggling with. And the thing is, is he already knows. So yeah. it's not going to be news to him. So you have to be very open with what is going on and, and, and what your triggers are and all of these things. Because um, if you're not, then you're never going to get over it. You're not going to get better. It's not going to get better if you don't take action and, and, and mm-hmm. posture yourself um, with like open hands and let the Lord yeah. like, really work in you. Um, because if you don't, it's not going to get better. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting, kind of going back to Lewis. Um, he writes a little bit where he goes, um, a famous Christian long ago told us that when he was a young man, he prayed constantly for chastity, so sexual purity. Um, but years later, he realized that while his lips had been saying, oh, Lord, please make me chast, his heart had been secretly adding, please don't do it just yet. <laughs> and ouch, kind of like what Holly said, like you have to be willing to let go of it. And a lot of times, like, at least for me, like in the past, a lot of it looked like, Lord, I need to stop this, but I don't want to. So I need you to make me want to. Yeah. Or it's yes. like, I need you to like, and like at some point, like, it, like I would feel like, like dirty. I would feel like even just like desiring it, not even just like doing anything, but just desiring that, um, like that sexual like those like whatever like I I would just I would desire it and then the Lord would be like hey like remember how like you feel after or remember like blah 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 and then I would start to feel like not guilty but just like I need to go take a shower (laughs) or something like that like I'd feel gross and slimy and you know when I got to that point I was able to actually be like oh I don't want this anymore like I really don't want to desire this and so then I was able to let go of it because you know like heavily desiring like that stuff is very dangerous, like, before marriage. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, sex is going to be great, like, when we're married, like, all this kind of stuff, and that's great to, like, think that and know that, but when it's, like, all you can think about and all you desire and it's leading you towards other thoughts, dangerous game. Dangerous game. And then Lewis kind of goes on to write where it says, we may indeed be sure that perfect chastity, so perfect purity, like perfect charity, you will not be attained by any merely human efforts. You must ask for God's help. Mm-hmm. Because he designed sex, why wouldn't we ask him to help us battle this whole idea? We should ask him because he designed it. He knows. He knows what happens and he knows what the drives are. He, he knows all that stuff. And so... To really ask him for our help is amazing. And also having accountability partners like Holly and I are for each other. Or when you are in a relationship, establishing those boundaries very clearly in your relationship with your partner. Like it is important to talk about it and to bring it out in the open because Satan wants to isolate it and hide it in the darkness. And the minute that you begin talking about this, the minute that darkness can't stay because you're exposing it all. Um, and so you can't do this on your own. You can't battle on your own. You need to bring God into it and bringing somebody that you trust into it as well. And talking about it is so important. Do you want to add anything? I just, I like that Paul talks about, I always bring up Philippians, but Mm -hmm. I like that Paul talks about this. And I know everyone has heard this like so many times because it's one of those verses that people put on their plaques and on the wall in Mm -hmm. their houses, but it's, um, in Philippians four and he says, um, I'm going to start in verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that verse alone is really powerful, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And I just think that verse just like popped into my mind because I think that when, when at least for me personally, and I'm sure this is for Emma too, is like when we are um, struggling in, I don't know, sexual desires or whatever, like we're thinking about the wrong things. Yeah. And, and our minds are, are not set on, on the right things. And what Paul is saying is like, you know, think about these things because when your mind is set on these things, there will be peace and God will be with you. And that is where, um, that is how you can protect yourself and, and, and combat these uh, not great desires that you, that you have. And, and I think that that is like the one thing that I always have to deal with is like when all of a sudden I have like something triggers me or, or I know I'm going to struggle with something later that day, it's like I immediately go to this verse. It's like, all right, I need to start thinking about yeah. like, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Like um, everything is like worthy of praise. Like think about these things because when you're focusing your mind on the Lord, you're not focusing on anything else. And that's like the one thing that I have really been um, struggling with recently is like, you know, my quiet time hasn't been that great. And so I'm struggling in all of these different areas. And, um, so because I know that like my quiet time hasn't been good, that is why I'm struggling in all these areas because my mind is not set on Jesus. My mind's not mm. set on the Lord. And so my mind is set on all of these worldly things that are not good for me. And so, um, I just want to encourage you that, yeah. like, um, set that time aside during your day that that you can that you can set your mind on on Jesus because when your mind is focused on him it's not focused on anything yeah. else. Yeah. Oh, Hunter, that's really good. Oh, where is that? Um so Darren kind of it's a very similar verse to the one that Holly just read. It's in James. And our pastor kind of I'll I'll read the verse and then I'll explain. So it's in James 3 and it says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So it kind of gives off those like the list of adjectives as well. And our pastor Darren also did the opposite. And so when you feel like these things are evil, you can kind of see if they describe or being described by any of these list of negative adjectives. So instead of pure, it is dishonest. And instead of peace loving, it is divisive. Instead of considerate, it is self-serving. Instead of submissive, it is unyielding. Instead of full of mercy, it is judgmental. Instead of good fruit, it is a history of broken relationships. Instead of impartial, it is bias instead of sincere it is a role player and so that can kind of go into the way that you serve others and also in the in the way of your thoughts like are your thoughts self-serving and that also comes with sexual like sexual thoughts and like even like in that relationship dynamic like all those things and so kind of in the philippians 4 um 7 and 8 first you can also look at the negative what the negatives look like and that is are your thoughts kind of being wrapped around that negativity and so last I want to talk about like why it is so difficult for us to remain sexually pure in this world and we now that we know that sexual purity is not just not having sex it is a lot of other things um like why is it so difficult to do that literally we have to look at the world and we have to look um at the people in the world especially those that are not believers and Paul talks about this all the time that the world is the enemy and that um, we can't even be friends with the world, and the world is very lost, and the world um, 
you know, and I think it's Second Timothy, First or Second Timothy four, talks about how it's like people are desiring sin, and so they will they will listen to whatever doctrine that their itching ears ears want to hear, um, and we are sex crazed generation. I said that earlier, like we literally are, and you know because it's very hard to resist the temptation of sex sex or anything sexual um a lot of times it's it's too hard for us or we don't want to actually let go of it and we try to justify it and so a lot of times what you will hear is that like you're allowed to desire sex because like it is part of your nature it's part of your body it's the way your body functions or or um you can do x y and z but you can't cross this line because that's really bad but the things before it aren't bad because you know, like you were made for this, like all this kind of stuff. And also the idea of do what feels good, like whatever your heart's telling you to do. Like we have a lot of fluffy language that's spoken in our culture and in our society um, that tries to justify sin. Um, And it's really easy to listen to those voices because it's very comfortable to listen to those voices. Um, you know, living as a Christian is really hard because we are called to be other than the world and we have to die to our flesh. And that's very difficult. It is so hard to do that every single day. Like whether or not I'm struggling with sex, soul, like whatever, it's like, it's still hard to die to my flesh in other areas of sin. And like, I don't know, like, like anxiety is just a big one for me and pride and all these things. Like it's hard to die to our flesh, especially with something that grows by indulgence which is sex and anything sexual. And so in a world that is very sexualized, like what you watch on TV, all the pop songs are about sex, all the billboards are like half-naked people, like we got Victoria's Secret going on, like you have easy access to porn. Like it is literally everywhere in our society and it feels good. It does. Like, you know, like in the moment, like, Either I don't I wouldn't know this for sure, but I bet having sex in the moment feels good. Doing anything sexual feels good. Watching anything sexual feels good. Like reading anything sexual feels good. Listening to things that are sexual feels good. It feels really good. And it's really hard to say no to that kind of stuff. And I bet that you guys can those of you who have struggled with this, I understand that it's really hard when a world is screaming sex. Do what your body's telling you to do. Do what your heart desires. It is really hard to fight the temptation. Do you, would you agree? Yes. Anything you'd like to add? I was listening to um, a sermon yesterday. It's Matt Chandler's sermon that, he do, that he's doing on Revelation this series. And he um, was speaking in, in Revelation 4 and 5. And he didn't necessarily, well, he kind of did relate it to this topic, but I'm going to relate it to this topic. And um, <clears throat> he was talking about, because in Revelation 4, it's all about, um, like, the throne room in, in heaven and Jesus sitting, or God sitting on his throne. And Matt was saying, you know, like, when we try to do things on our own, like, we try to set up our own little puny throne mm. because we don't have faith that that God in his mm. big, massive throne that everyone is worshiping can handle it. And mm. so we want to set up our own little puny thrones and, like, try to take control of our own life. And he was talking about worship and how um, and in chapter 4 is when those, like, weird-looking creatures are, like, worshiping the throne, and it's, like, an interesting scene. But um, he's saying, like, you know, we are made to worship God. And, and, and when we are putting ourselves in our own little throne, like, we are basically... Um, rebelling against him mm-hmm. because we think that we can can be God and we can't. 
And he had this quote, which I think is very relevant to this topic. It's by a theologian named Edmund Clowney, and it says, Without worship, we live manipulated and manipulating mm-hmm. lives. We move in either frightened panic or deluded uh, lethargy as we are in turn, alarmed by specters and soothed by placebos. And there's a lot of big words in there, but it he's basically saying if you don't live a life of worship, like we are gonna be alarmed by all these outward things that are mm-hmm. that are gonna dilute our dilute diluted to our brains and and dangerous to us and then we freak out and then instead of turning to God on the heavenly throne, we learn we turn to our little tiny throne, mm-hmm. and then we we get soothed by placebos. So we, we we're soothing ourselves with these things that are not going to fulfill because they they're fake. They're they're not real. And so, um, I think that this is this quote is very relevant to this topic because that's essentially what we're doing when we're not fulfilling like sex the way that that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're like soothing that desire with fake things and. And things that are never going to actually fulfill us because God ultimately is going to be the one that fulfills us. And yeah. um, I just thought that that was very fascinating. Um, that idea of like being soothed by placebos, I think, is yeah. so relevant in everyday yeah. life. Like not even just sex, but just like everything that you're choosing to um, idolize over Jesus is yeah. like soothing this this desire and this emptiness in your heart that's only going to be fulfilled by the Lord, but you're trying to fulfill it with all of these other things that are never going to fulfill you. When you are walking in the spirit, when you are filling your mind with the things of God and you are sober minded, it talks about that in first Peter five, I believe Um, when you are sober minded and you are on guard, you are able to combat these desires and temptations a lot easier than you are when you are not walking with the spirit. And like for me and I, but I can speak for both of us. It's like when we're not in the, in the word, when we are not constantly filling ourselves with things that are spirit led, like even music or books or what we are watching. If we are not careful, those temptations and desires can easily come in and easily, you know, distract us. And so, you know, this is a very hard topic this is a very hard struggle that I think more of us and that I think that we realize struggle with um kind of like pornography and that whole epidemic it's like a lot more people than I think you guys realize struggle with this and it's a big deal and it needs to be talked about because the more that it is discussed and exposed the more that we can combat it because it is in the light and one of the things that Satan has tried to do is sex is kind of put it in the dark and make it a very like spicy thing and like everything's all about like being sexy and like hidden and like secretive and and when he does that to things like he perverts it and he makes it sinful and so when we bring it into the light and we say sex is not bad outside of marriage and outside of a male and a female when we say it like that and we can discuss it and discuss the issues of it before marriage and how we can combat that then the desire to do it kind of diminishes a little bit and we can we can fight it better. And so I guess like my biggest advice to you guys is when you feel tempted, when you feel tempted to go back to pornography, when you feel tempted to go a little bit further with your significant other, when you when your mind is kind of going down the rabbit hole and you start desiring certain things um, or you begin doing and watching certain things, like even listening to music or reading books or watching TV shows that are, are, are perverted and get your mind kind of, in a, in a rut or in a, in a gutter, go to the word, go to the scripture, get on your hands and knees and start praying, fill your mind with 
with things that are of the spirit and with things that are pure and that are lovely and that are all the adjectives described in Philippians 4, 7, and 8. Um, because once you get your mind in the Lord, he will be able to help you combat that temptation so you don't fall into sin. Because temptation and sin are very different things. You can be tempted with things and not fall in. That doesn't count as a sin. But when you take the bite of the temptation and fall into sin, that's where you start sinning. And then the indulgence begins to grow and it's harder to break it off. It's a huge issue. And sexual purity is so important. It is a beautiful thing. And the Lord can forgive and redeem if you have either had sex before you're before you've been married or are fallen in the trap of pornography or are addicted to certain sexual things um even like sex toys and like masturbation and things like that it's like the lord can forgive you and the lord can redeem you but he has to be the one to do it mm-hmm. you cannot break that yourself you can't you don't you can't like you can't do sorry it sorry to burst your bubble but you can't <laughs> do it alone um so yeah that's anything else you want to add before we close no okay that was good well Bradley and I will be on here in the next few weeks I don't know when this will be to talk about sexual purity in the more of a relationship dynamic um Bradley and I are still fresh in our relationship but we have done a lot of really cool like things to set in place boundaries so that we don't um go past it because you know like we have both struggled ourselves separately with sexual purity and things like that and so i think that it'd be really amazing to bring him on here and discuss from a um relationship standpoint how to remain sexually pure and how to fight off temptations when they arise so part two this will coming is coming and maybe we'll be able to get somebody else on here soon um for a part three of what their experience has been like having sex before marriage um so over like setting this is a really good topic so Yay! Okay, well, with all that being said, I'm Emma. I'm Holly. And, and we'll catch, catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flop. The flippity flop.